It's Behind the Bots Time! From the NHRL studios in Norwalk, Connecticut, this is Behind the Bots, the podcast that brings you the stories of the builders behind the bots. I'm Luke. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Brandon. And today on the podcast, we're previewing the 2023 NHRL Finals this Saturday in Norwalk, Connecticut, and streamed live on YouTube. We'll wrap up the show with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. If you like our show, please rate and review us at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn, CastBox, Player FM, and Podbean. You can follow us on Facebook at Behind the Bots and tell a friend. We really appreciate your support. Time for this week's Combat Robotics News. I have four news items for you today. First up, catch Live Robot Combat this weekend in Connecticut, Wisconsin, Virginia, Utah, and the UK. In the UK, engineering students will be fighting antweights at the University of Bristol on Saturday. Across the country, they'll be fighting heavyweights at Extreme Robots Live in Cheltenham on Saturday and Sunday. On over to Virginia, where Hill City Robot Combat will be fighting antweights and beetleweights in Lynchburg on Saturday. In Wisconsin, Merca co-founder Joseph Betts is running antweights at Gears of the Harvest in Beloit on Friday and Saturday. Now, this is really cool. If you don't have your own combat robot, you can rent one from Joe and run it at the competition just like it was your own. First place uh, for the whole thing wins $750, so it's kind of an investment if you think about it. So um, if you haven't built a robot, you're in Wisconsin, and uh, you want a shot at the, uh, the grand prize, go and rent a robot uh, this week. In Utah, they'll be finding antweights at the Projection Mapping Festival Illuminate Salt Lake on Saturday. And uh, the big one for the week, and I mean, listen, to be fair. It's the biggest event of the year, is undoubtedly the 2023 NHRL Finals, where 72 of the world's best beetleweights, 12-pounders, and 30-pounders will compete in Norwalk, Connecticut for the Golden Brett. Winners of each weight class will win $10,000, $12,000, or $15,000 cash, depending on the weight class. Winners will also donate $150,000 each to the STEM charities of their choice. In total, we're going to give out more than $50,000 in cash prizes and more than $1 million in charity donations to STEM organizations at the finals. Tickets are still available if you want to catch the action live in Connecticut this Saturday or tune in live on YouTube. Now, once again, the four of us are calling fights all day, so drop into the YouTube live chat and say hi. Um, now, we're going to be doing a full breakdown of the NHRL finals with our good friend Chris Moran here in a second. So I don't want to kind of retread all of the wonderful places that we went in that interview. However, we do have Brandon Bennett Young here on the pod. Uh, once again, guest co-hosting. Awesome. Um, and you have qualified three robots for the finals, which is incredible, Brandon. Um I'm just curious, you know, now you have less than a week <laughs> before you're going to be fighting with these three robots. How is the roster looking for you? So the good news is, is that if everyone had to fight uh, like a week or two weekends ago, they could have fought. There's at least one full Vorium, one full Phenomenon, one full Fracas ready to go. Next to that, I then created uh, spares of each one. So it's a spare Fracas and then... I reworked it. So now Phenomenon and Vorion are the same base chassis. So I made a third of them. So there's three of them. So there's now three Vorion clones. And that means that they can also sort of shuffle. So in theory, a match can come up where it's like, oh, well, I want to run this configuration. Switch the top plates. And now it's good to go. 
So it's it's a nice little hack there to keep as many entries in as possible. Um, but a lot of the work is the very, very small detail because even though I have now five 30 pounders, which is expensive, um, there's a lot of thought about who I could fight and who and how I can stop them. So like configurations are the key. So the main thing was looking at film. I think every day, um, my the daily work-life balance is very simple. I go into work, I do work, I come back home, and then I you know, work on the robots for hours. And that could just mean something like um, painting it because I wanted to do new paint for all the robots to go in the final so they look pretty, um, but also configurations. It's like, hmm, I saw this robot did that thing in 2021 and 22 and then didn't come back in 23, but I bet I can figure out something that might work against it. So I'm going to design different configurations for it. Um, the most notable of them is uh, <clears throat> the aforementioned uh Jameson, who's going to show up at some point or all the time, all the time, um, because the way the bracket works out, in theory, if Phenomenon gets through its first round and Megatron does too, it draws Megatron right after that. So it's a very fun case of well, at least you're getting down to the down to the uh, to the deep parts of it right there. So that's going to be exciting, but it's also very worrying because the the strategy I go in with it is there are definitely robots that can totally knock out these robots, these uh, chassis. And Megatron's one of them. Um, I think like that or knock off white or even um, uh, like emulsifier, things that can really outreach me and hit really hard. Those are the ones I worry about the most because they can straight up retire a chassis if you don't treat them accordingly. And if there's only a certain number of chassis, but more than those entries, then that could be really hard because the worst thing that could happen is if Eva messes up Phenomenon first round and then maybe... Maybe it survives Aoife and gets to Megatron, and then Megatron just sets on fire again. And so then it's a case of, uh, well, now I'm down to two, <laughs> and it's not even in the main bracket yet, so that's going to be a really hard turnaround for it. Um, fortunately, I have two other Leatherbacks who are you know alumni from the rock skull I made back in University of Maryland, um, Bob Lance and Mishin Krenov. Um, Bob's had great success with Robot Blue Marlin. Good job, Bob. He won Robot Ruckus in 12-pound division. And then Misha, um, he ran Warlock when it was first coming up, for as it was first going at a competition in NHRL. And then he made his own machine at a Carnegie Mellon called Spicy Toucan, which is a, a flywheel. I think it was a fire hammer. I'm pretty sure it was a fire hammer. So it was a pretty good idea. It didn't work because he fought, I think it was Sombra first. So he got <clears throat> Sombra. Yeah, yeah, but uh, but in both cases, are people who I trust to work on the robots and learn them fast. So if I can train them up, really how to take care of probably Vorion phenomenon the most, I can sort of spend some time with Fracas because I know that robot draws Yahoo, which is probably going to just jack it up in a lot of ways I can't even think about yet. So whether win or lose, I want to at least have somebody on the machines because that way... Even if the robots get a little messed up, there's someone who at least could work on it while another fight's happening or make the the call of, well, I'm going to work on the other one because this one's a bit too messed up and we'll get to it if the other guy wins its other round. So it's it's a lot because every day is uh, focusing on that. But at the same time, there's still a strategy of sort of how to play the metagame because they're all the same weight class, which is, you know, its own bit of fun. But at the same time, it's... It would really, really hurt if uh, if they all got 
uh, destroyed <laughs> in the 30 pound class. So I got to make sure I'd avoid that one for sure. Now, Brandon, I mean, famously this year you won your very first golden dumpster mm. and, uh, it was like the coolest moment ever. Like I was so happy for you. I, um, I was just glad, like, I don't know, the cameras weren't on me because I was crying a little bit, you know, like to, when, when I saw it. Um, and I feel like this is the year for the Golden Brett, my man. You know what I mean? Like, you've got you've got three shots at it. You're an amazing builder. The robot's looking great, you know? I just am so stoked to watch your progression this weekend. Um, so, really good luck. Um, I don't know, it's like, like, I know that Jameson has four robots in the competition, but he only has one 30-pounder in the competition. You know what I mean? Like, you've got three 30-pounders. That's awesome, you know? Of the 24 robots, you've got three of them, you know, like, in the 30s. Um, no one has qualified three bots in any one category other than you. Is that... I can't think of a single instance. Not in if one you count, class. If you count maybe the Encascus, like, as a clan... I guess no. they have like the horizontals. They're individuals, Brandon. Okay, they're individuals. <laughs> All right. Then yeah. Then yeah. If it's just one person, then probably just me. Then. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a That's feat awesome. in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm curious. So like, have you decided where you're gonna put? So okay, each one of the finalists, they all get a thousand dollars per robot to donate to the i don't know one of six charities have you decided which of the six you're you're gonna put your three thousand dollars toward no i i'll freely admit i haven't been able to really sit down look at logistics of it yes um one of the main i will give it the benefit which is that they have already sort of given a number of slots so that's pretty helpful because i know that beforehand my because my fear was like oh no i have to now figure out like research it myself but they give sort of direction it helps a lot um, but I also kind of want the robots to all be like spread out. So I don't think I would just choose one charity. I think I would choose like three different ones and oh, just say, okay. Cool. Yeah. Cause otherwise it'd be pretty, it, I think it'd be uh, unfair. I mean, great for the charity, of course, but I think it'd be unfair <laughs> if I just said, all right, here's three K to one person or one charity. Right. And it just like, uh, you know, overwhelms them. Not as equal. Now. Now let's see. Uh, first place in the thirties gets to donate one hundred and fifty k. Second place gets to donate one hundred k. Third place gets to donate fifty k. If I'm recalling correctly, Lindsay. So what is that? One fifty three. Okay. So let's say you take home first, second, third place. Do you know where you're going to donate your three hundred thousand in charity money? Three hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Three hundred thousand dollars. Well. If I had a choice, I'd probably say between growing stems and, and Honeycrack and all them, because I know they have an arena now, and yeah. they can buy a building, and then perhaps uh, any other facilities that go with that, that would be, I think, the best way to grow Comet Robots in Maryland. Because what cool. I want, because my, my dream, which is halfway there already, is where Maryland has all the robot fighting in the same area. So then I can mm -hmm. just fight as I wish. And yeah. then... Uh, and then I know, um, like one really good idea. I remember, like, spit along with Ricky a while ago would be if there was a way to create like a, like a robot workshop as well. So like Honeycrack is a team in their own right, and they already do stuff as well. But um, even as well, like a think tank to almost build um, different ideas, different machines. So like if there was a space where you could make robots that um, 
what? Like we'd have an arena that can be any different type of terrain because we can fund that. That'd be kind of nice or something that could um, support, uh, I don't know, other, other types of building or even like other heavyweights. Ooh, that'd be fun. Um, but I don't think that quite exists yet, but if there was a way in a group that would do that, maybe Baltimore hackerspace and like macro, I know they also do stuff in Maryland too. Um, perhaps that would be a good way to do that. Cause if we can continue the goal of NHRL, sort of like building up the regions of battle bots across the area, uh, I think that'd be huge because then you grow the sport, you grow the outreach of it as well. Um, I mean, the DMV in particular is a very powerful place. Uh, so I think if you get a good good positioning around the capital and all of that, it's a pretty good bit of outreach there and lots of tech people around, of course. So it'd be really good. So I think I can, I'll figure that out if I can take out, you know, 21 other machines to get that crown. There you go. Okay. All right. Well, the stakes are incredibly high for you now um, yeah, this weekend. Yeah. And um, I wish you the best of luck. I, I know that there are a lot of fans of this show that are going to be tuning in on Saturday and cheer for Brandon y'all, you know, like, uh, let's, let's, let's see it. I, I can't wait. Um, I did, I did want to bring up a little bit and I'm sure that we talked about this with Chris, but like Jameson go is incredibly well positioned going into this competition. He has the number one ranked robot in all three weight classes. Uh, he's, he's qualified for robots. Now, technically you can bring four pit crew members per robot. So he could bring up to four, eight, 12, 16 team members. And Jameson has a lot of friends in the Northeast. Like he has been doing this for a very long time. I am expecting him to roll in with a massive crew. Like I would love to see basically all of team Sables like up there. Um, you know, like maybe Aaron, Aaron will, will come out again and ginger and, you know, um, and, and work on his pit crew. I, you know, I'm, I think that that's probably going to be one of the biggest X factors for, um, for his run on Saturday, that, and in the Beatles specifically links is not there. I mean, like, I know we have booty brigade, um, which is, you know, it's like links, through a different flavor you know like it's not it's it's like ironic it's like they're running two robots but actually their risk vector is higher because if you kill droopy like you know you've essentially killed half of the robot so like um it's interesting so like we'll see like a version of links and jameson i think is just incredibly well positioned to do well um this weekend and i guess we'll have to see how much more like hardware he can take home, you know, from NHRL. Like, um, if he wins or if he sweeps, does he just retire? Like, at that point, no. what else? No, what else does he want? What no. else does he well, want? He has no. the giant nut, he has, you know, he would have multiple potential golden brats. What more? What more can we do for you? On Thursday, he might win a, a golden, a golden bolt, bolt. you know. <laughs> Like it's True. it's <laughs> like the what's what's the what's the Kentucky Derby the I don't know what's the the tri- oh, the, oh, the triple crown triple crown yeah I see. the triple crown all right triple like crown. Uh, Jameson okay wins three golden brats the golden bolt on Thursday gold uh, you know the giant nuts uh, it's perfect like let's do it um, 
also spoil just to let you know like we don't none of us remember or maybe even ever knew how the uh the golden um oh my god what's golden it called golden bolt golden bolt yeah yeah don't read into anything we're saying because we, we actually don't know um i i i i had like a i had a strict no spoiling policy I'm not even kidding. I was I was on Team Shreddit and I went to the first week of filming for season seven. When I left, I like just I told them I was like, I don't want to know who wins. And it was like six months later, like my my curiosity finally got to me and I, I had to ask. But like um, for six months, I honestly had no idea. Um, and yeah, I, I didn't ask at all. I know how far Shreddit went in the in the I have no idea. <laughs> We we it's might great. win the golden bowl. I honestly have no clue. Like I haven't asked Evan. I have no idea. All I know is that he is seems very happy whenever we talk about it. So who knows? I don't know. I have no clue. All right. Um. So yeah, I don't know. Back back to the back to the triple crown. Who knows? <laughs> maybe, maybe Jameson wins it on Thursday. I honestly have no clue. Um. So yeah, I guess uh, I guess we'll have to see. Um. So yeah, tune in Saturday. Uh, we're also going to do a deep dive with Chris here just in a second. Um, but uh, I am really stoked. I can't wait to call these fights. We have no idea what's going to happen, obviously, on Saturday because it's all live. And uh, prizes are going to be huge. The kind of pomp and circumstance around the finals, specifically this year, I've seen like a little preview of it. It's going to be really cool. So uh, tune in and uh, oh. join join the fun with us. And tune in to see uh, what special <laughs> costumes we're wearing. <laughs> No, no, outfits, outfits. Out, outfits. Okay, it's wardrobe. It's wardrobe, wardrobe. Lindsay. <laughs> um, yeah, this this is the first time that NHRL has like pr- provided us wardrobe. Like previously, we could just literally wear whatever I want, as you know, whatever you wanted, as you could see from like Ricky's many off the wall <laughs> outfits. Um, and spice uh, of life in that one. <laughs> I will tell you, Brandon. Uh, Ricky is where like we're all wearing fabulous wardrobe, and Ricky somehow is outshining us with his wardrobe. It's even more fabulous than ours. So tune in, <laughs> tune in on Saturday. You can see it. You know, that's my captain right there. Yeah, yeah. we thought we were at a ten, and then Ricky came in He's... with his own eleven. Um, yeah. <laughs> he looks like yeah. a mid '90s Eastern European ice dancer. Okay, like that's all I'm gonna say. Okay. We love Ricky. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um. All right. So wait, I'm still doing the news. Um. All right. Let's see. Where are we at? Um. Okay. On over to the UK, where bot builder Jack Franklin took home first place in the Bristol Bot Builders 2023 Championship with his suplexing bot Luchador. Luchador faced the compact drum spinner Gizmo in the grand final, where it succeeded in flipping its opponent out of the arena. On over to Las Vegas, where the Las Vegas Grand Prix has shut down BattleBots Destructathon for the next month. The race runs past the BattleBots Arena and took over part of the BattleBots parking lot to turn it into stadium seating. The live show will return on Tuesday, December 5th and run straight through until July of 2024. No word yet on filming dates for the still unconfirmed BattleBots World Championship 8. And finally, BattleBots Champions wraps up this Thursday on the Discovery Channel, where they'll award a Golden Bolt to one of the remaining eight bots alive in the field. Shred it, bro, Whiplash, Free Shipping, Jackpot, Endgame, Tantrum, Sawblaze, or this week's qualifier, Ripperoni. 
I want to pause here, uh, get your thoughts on champions. Uh, Brandon, you're the only one out of the three of us who actually watched this week's episode. Um, Lindsay, I'm so sorry to, br- to blow up our spot. I have a I good reason it because I knew enough to kind of squeak by, but you gotta, you had to tell. I, I don't have a streaming app anymore. All right. I used to have the discovery channel app and, uh, cancel it. And, uh, I have to get it back. Either that or I'm going to come over to your house and watch it on Thursday, Lindsay. Uh, so. Eight bucks, Luke. I mean, you're welcome no. over here, obviously. But Listen, there were a lot of people who were like uh, daisy chaining off of my Discovery app uh, <laughs> username and password, okay? Yeah, HBO! HBO! When when the when when the season ended, I was like, okay, I'm just gonna put it on a little pause. And then we went to Japan, and I was like, okay, now I can't actually buy the app at all because I'm like, you know, what am I gonna do? <laughs> VPN back into the United States? And um, then I was sick with pneumonia, still am a little bit, and I just never really like. I was supposed to buy the app this week, and I just didn't. So there you go. Um, but Brandon, you watched the episode, so uh, can you can you take us through like what uh, what, what were like the highlights? All right. So a nice little play-by-play here. So probably the most uh, interesting bit for me is Claw Viper once again demonstrating the effective use of a drivetrain as a weapon. Um, And so what was perhaps first fascinating to me about that was because Claw Viper is still speed, Kevin's still Kevin. Notably, they highlighted a lot in the episode of how, one, Kevin wasn't using his full new set of drive wheels when he fought Hypershock in the regular season. And so it naturally got bullied by Will. But now we have Goodwheels Claw Viper and Alex driving with it. And so for a good bit of time, there was that really interesting balance of, oh, Kevin's sort of manhandling it because Hypershock isn't trying to run the same speed as Claw Viper is. And that really helped him for control. But the inevitable reality of the meta uh, reared its ugly head, which is to say Vertical Spinner began tossing it and tossing it and just kept on going. And to Kevin's credit, Claw Viper held on. I think even by the end, it was still mostly functional. Just the the armor was starting to bend into the wheel area, so it sort of jammed the drive a little bit. But still very functional. And so Alex's controlled style really like emphasized its strengths there. Um, even against Star Child, when it fought against that, you know, I know it's first of all rougher other Brandon. It's it's hard making a big wheel bot, but it also got an intro shout out, so that was pretty good. Um, but even in that case, Hypershock was still, Alex was still controlling it well. And uh, it was very good seeing that uh, that her experience of Remars, if you ever get the video for that, was showing through. And so it was a very good demonstration of that. Other side of the bracket, we have pizza. Pizza is always a good time. <laughs> and that showed itself again. Because <laughs> we had Monsoon, the great, great British Monsoon, doing an excellent job fighting it. They had great fights. Um, you know, Gruff and Glitch both were still showing out. Glitch looked a bit better, but still some difficulty there. But really, when it came to like Monsoon and the pizza, you're kind of like, oh boy, big, big slingers there. Like just yeah. big discs that hit each other. But the pizza, to its credit, it did it. <laughs> it it pizza. Um, and so it was pretty good setup for Hypershock and for, for Reaperoni in their wins in semifinal. The final was a bit sad though, because they both sort of lost drive. And it was a case of, like, they're both going to crab walk for probably the next minute and a half, two minutes. And so the show, to its credit, I think sort of chopped it up just fine enough where it sort of didn't let you just sit there in misery. It just sort of said, okay, here's the 30 seconds when they were the closest and there was a good tap. Ripperoni, to its credit, 
like um, in the interview afterwards, Anna said, yeah, it's very difficult driving it because even though it's boring to a spectator, like I have to be very, very careful because I don't want Alex to come around, hit the side ripperoni and get a flick on us. And so there's only about two really decent hits ripperoni got on Hypershock. One was pretty good that threw it across the box a bit. But really, that was all the difference. Um, if you were to watch it in its full speed, you're kind of with me as exciting. But in the technical aspect, as a as a competitor, you're like, yeah, that that tracks. Like she got the she got the taps just enough, got your damage points, and Hypershock, to its credit, just couldn't couldn't counter with that. So Ripperoni, the last Golden Bolt entry, and now I think we have what some form of like five vertical spinners or so, and then three. <laughs> weird robots in that they do something and a vertical spinner. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's still, still, so the meta is strong. Don't worry. It, it still lives and breeds, but there at least there's some cool, cool bots in there that uh, do other stuff too. So that should be a fun final. It's also like exciting because, um, you know, a lot of people who are following Remars knew that Alex Bales was driving. Um, but you know, that's like, one event who, a lot of people are like, yeah, let's see what she can do, you know, during the regular season. And um, I I feel like she must be some kind of phenom because she has no experience prior to this. And she was able to take down a, like, a bot like <laughs> Claw Viper who was so hot on its heels, make it all the way to the final round of, you know, that, that bracket. And like... I don't know. It just she deserves so much praise for being able to do what she did because it's not it's not easy. Now I'm trying to remember the um, the timeline here. So uh, I see. Okay, Amazon Remars happened July of 2022. Mm-hmm. Filming happened like October of 2022. Yeah. So she was dominating back before the start of season seven yeah on BattleBots. okay um i i still remember that interview we we talked to alex and will on on an episode of the show um right after remars and um if you get a chance go back and listen to it because they talk a lot about um alex's um driver development you know and how she got ready for remars from everything i've heard and everything they've said like Alex just is like absolutely obsessed with practicing. Like she drives a ton. They set up, um, you know, like a whole obstacle course inside of their warehouse. She drove the robot every single day. And um, like at this point now, what a year and a half in, like in terms of real time, she's a fantastic driver. Um, So it's it's awesome it's awesome to see that um i i i read a lot of analysis of this episode because i'm too poor to uh buy the streaming service (laughs) and a lot of people were talking about how how dominant her driving was um and i i don't i it's not it's not a fluke at all like it's it's hard work you know um and that is really really cool to see so um yeah Well, well well done alex I like to think, like, several years ago, you know, before she met Will, like, it's just funny, She because pro- I know that she didn't have a lot of knowledge based on what Will has said, you know, publicly about, like, BattleBots. I don't think she was familiar with Hypershock. Um, this whole world is new to her. So it's just funny to think of, like, 
how she went to, from zero to like essentially 100 <laughs> in such a yeah. short time. Um, and you know, if you told her 10 years ago that this was going to be her life, she probably wouldn't believe it. <laughs> and I think that's hilarious. I don't know. Like I, yeah. The, you know, marry a BattleBots driver and then become a revered BattleBots driver in your own right. That's the yeah, vacuum of the sport. It drags you into it. And oh, suddenly yeah. you meet, you meet a guy, he's nice. Now you're BattleBots driving champion. So that's how it goes. <laughs> Ancient classic love story. Tale of yeah. all this time. Um, so the final, final, final episode of this limited series is going to happen on Thursday. Um, cannot wait to see who wins. And, um, you know, Kyle's not here to provide his prediction. So um, I guess we're just going to have to open it up to all of you. You know, go to our Facebook page, go to Discord and send us uh, who you think is going to win this Thursday. And uh, I guess we're going to have to see who takes home uh, the second golden bolt. So very cool. And uh, that's it for this week's news. After the break, we're going to return with our interview with Chris Moran. This week on the podcast, we have a very special first-time guest, Chris Moran. Chris joined NHRL in February of 2022 as the Chief Content Officer and Chief Strategy Officer. Let's get into topics today like day-to-day -day life at NHRL, the upcoming World Championships and All-Star events, and what to expect from the Havoc Academy, NHRL's Combat Robotics Education Masterclass. So welcome to the show, Chris. Hello. It's it's been a long time in coming, and we are glad to have you finally on Behind the Bots. Thank you for having me. It's exciting to be here. So, Chief Strategy Officer, Chief Content Officer, um, is I think that you're also one of the front door officers for safety during the events, also. <laughs> but Chris, for those out there uh, who might be fluent in NHRL uh, but don't know exactly about all the all the bells and whistles that are kind of happening behind the curtains, can you tell us a little bit about what your role is and what you do at NHRL? Sure. Um, so thanks for having me on. So essentially, um, the goal of NHRL really is to turn uh, robot combat into a recognized sport um, and uh, NHRL to be seen as the premier league within that. And then the goal of Havoc Robotics, which owns NHRL, is to create this new category of sports called iSports. So in my role as Chief Strategy Officer, it's my job to figure out how do we get there? Like, what's the direction and how do we travel there? And how do we work with everybody within the company and with the community and with the builders and the fans, etc.? So we kind of think of it in a few different ways. One is that we have to create fans of the sport. And we have to create the competitors uh, of the sport, and then we have to create the media content around it. So it's my job to kind of set that path. And then the biggest tool that we have within that is content. So, you know, we broadcast all of our tournaments. You guys heavily involved in that. We create a lot of social content, and that has been the biggest growth area of the business. That's then we've seen that really drive in-person attendance, whether that's as fans or competitors. And that leads to things that obviously we'll talk about later on in terms of academy. So we know that if you wanted to play, let's say, basketball, if you wanted to take up the sport, you just need to buy kind of a big orange ball and be able to throw it into something. If you want to take up robot combat, whether you see positively hysterical on TikTok or you turn up to an event and you go, oh, my God, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Really, really hard to do that. So how can we think about strategic ways to convert a fan into a competitor? 
or not do that. If you're a fan, you just want to stay a fan, that's totally cool as well. So it's my job to kind of make all those little intricate, intricate parts kind of weave together. We often talk about how, you know, in our content creation, that there is a funnel of people that, that are watching the sport, right? You, you kind of start with that big net where you're kind of trying to capture the public's attention and making them fans of the sport. Well, then towards the bottom of this funnel, we want to take those people that are super fans of the sport and actually make them uh, builders. So let's just talk for a second about the top of the funnel here. And now we've seen really explosive growth in NHRL and our subscribers across YouTube and TikTok and Instagram in, in the last year alone. Can you tell us a little bit about the social stats and growth that we've seen uh, in your tenure? Yeah, so we've 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 been really lucky in that um, we've seen some some incredible growth. So when when we started, I think we had five thousand total followers, and we put in a strategy straight away to we called it the Faces of Havoc because one of the things that we saw was most things were focused on the robots, and most people don't really connect with an inanimate object, even ones with like cute, funny eyes and and little hands that slap all the robots around the head. So we realized that the, the the most important people within this were the builders and also folks like you guys, the announcers, like how do we create the the people? So we set in place a plan to to really build up the personas of the people involved and get people as fans of, you know, I want to be a fan of Tim Farkas and Positively Hysterical or I want to be a fan of, you know, Lucy Dew and Kablui Tango and before the Hot Leaf Juice. And, and so we, we realized that that was a real key part that was missing. And we looked at um, how do we bring people in across those different areas? And so when we have a live event, they, they're they fantastic for super fans, people that understand the sport, people that are really interested in it. You can watch for 12 hour long, you can see hundreds of fights, um, more fights than anywhere else. And, that, and that's great. But if you don't understand it, you've maybe never seen it before. That's a really hard entry point to go from, I don't know what this thing is, to here's 12 hours and 300 fights like that. You can't, you can't do that. And so what we figured out was there's these social media channels that can, can get your message obviously really far and wide and people would be interested a minute at a time. And then as they get more interested in a minute at a time, the way that the algorithms on something like TikTok or YouTube Shorts or Reels work is that if you see a piece of content and you engage with it, so if you watch it for a certain amount of time or you share it or you like it or you comment, you're going to get fed more of that and so we've leveraged that to be able to bring it to as many people as possible. And we hear stories all the time of, of folks that turn up to the event and say, how did you find out about us? TikTok. Why did you become a builder? TikTok. We hear from folks like Tom Farkas. He was telling me a story the other day that one of his colleagues at the, at the post office um, said to him, hey, you, you like that BattleBot stuff, right? And he was like, yeah, it's like, have you seen this like video of this cat that like hits another cat or hits another robot? And he's like, oh, I've got a story there. Um, and even like Luke tells us a story when he went to a, a wedding and someone said, hey, I got this video of this like amazing robot that smashed outside of a cage. You should watch it. It's like, uh, I'm the guy announcing the fight. So we can, we know that we have this huge reach that we can we can use social media for. And we've seen that translate into the growth of, of NHRL. And it's not just it's not just doing content, it's not just doing social media. And you know, there's a there's a there's a really hard working team that focuses on continuously improving after every event. And so 
if we see our job as like, how do we bring more people in through the door? How good the event is, is as important as bringing the people in. And so if we make a really good event that is really enjoyable to attend, whether you're a competitor or a fan, people are going to come back. And so we've seen that that trend has happened and that has been the, the, the overall growth of the business. And that's why we made that small but rather large change of the N in NHRL going from Norwalk to national. Um, so as I said, we started with 5,000 followers. We'll probably end the year with a million. Um, we'll probably end up somewhere around 500 million views across everything that we've done. And to kind of put that into perspective, before we started, the organic views, and by organic, I mean we didn't run ads, was 400,000. So to go from 400,000 to 500 million is like a huge jump. And that really, really impacts the business. And, so, and it's why, you know, all the work that we do to capture content, we film with the builders in the pits. We try and um, we try and think about the content in a number of different ways. So there's like the viral moments, like the James versus Depth Charge, where James destroys the cage. That's amazing. Anybody's going to want to watch that. But we, we can't replicate that. That just happens. And that's great when it does. But if it doesn't, that's okay too. So what we looked at was like, what are the content types that we can really replicate and how can we deliver what we want to do, which is to grow NHRL, grow the sport and make people aware of it. And so we looked at the filming that we do in the pits. We started with This Is Havoc. And now we've got this kind of formula is the wrong word, but we will interview builders in the pits. Chris, you do a lot of that and you do an amazing job and you get better every time where they, the builder will explain their robot. And so like at the last event, you had Alex with Dutch Oven explaining how this kind of class of robot that was a bit of a joke a few years ago, he's now like 3D aluminum printing the the fuel tank. And he was talking to me the other day about some other stuff that he's got planned, which is like, what color flame do you want? I'm like, what? We get a choice? Um, I don't know if that was a secret or not. Um, sorry, Alex, Alex, if it was. Um, uh, so when we couple that with the fight footage, so you can see that there's this really fun robot that shoots out these huge flames. But then we show you, well, here's the person that made that. Here's this really clever, ingenious, creative person. And this is the clever technology. Then we know that that will drive audience. That will get in front of people. That puts the best of us out there, the best of the builder, the best of the robot. And it starts to get people to subscribe, to follow, and they'll see more content. And then hopefully they turn up as a fan in person or they watch on the live stream or they buy some merch or they even become a builder themselves. So that's kind of the, the content strategy and, and why we we do all the things that we do. I'll share one thing. You know, one of my favorite uh, ways to look at and ingest content, especially around combat robotics, is when we have these incredible pit interviews with builders where we're establishing a persona for each type of builder. Maybe they're an engineering student. Maybe they're a retired engineer. Maybe they were a blacksmith. Maybe they're a farmer right? And you get to look at how they creatively solve problems and, 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 and create build components through the lens of that persona. And that's one of the most fascinating things about like seeing the bot and them together up close is that yeah. it's, what, it's a formula. It really is. One of the things that we, we often say to people is like, if you're talking to a brand that might want to sponsor the first question is always like, what's the demographic? And obviously we skew we skew quite young and we're getting younger, which is great because we're bringing more people in. But really, it's not really a demographic as such. Like it's one of the few things that I've ever experienced where 
you get so many different types of people from so many different backgrounds, political spectrums, ages, gender, like everything is completely different. The one thing that they all have in common is that they just love building robots, smashing robots together, and then talking about it. And so that's like the the, the bit. And, and I kind of think of it, it's kind of like if you took the internet and you brought the internet to life, like that's what NHRL can do. And I think there's very few places where you can get people from like the online to the offline and actually do stuff and make stuff and create and, and kind of have this fun. And, and a big part of NHRL is that community. And you see the excitement that builds on Discord. You see these like real friendships that yeah. build, that, that get together every like six weeks in this kind of weird warehouse in like Norwalk, Connecticut. Uh, and that's really awesome. And you see the comments on, on videos and you see, um, you know, the, the, what it means to people and like families and the amount of parents that have come to us and said, hey, my child feels at home here and they've like, they've never felt that. And I think that's a really, really important part of what NHRL does. And that's kind of what we, we try to showcase with the content that, hey, you can be completely different to anybody else. Like the, 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 the positively hysterical that was painted in the trans flag colors with the, with the hashtag on the back did so much for people that identified with that and said that, hey, this is a place where I can feel accepted and that I can be myself. And that's great. And that's what we want NHRL to be forever. What are some of your favorite success stories across our social content so far uh, during your time with us? Um, I don't really necessarily have like a favorite. I think positively hysterical is always is always fun, um, partly because everybody always says like, how many views will this get? Like, how long will it take to get to this amount of views? And it's like the worst question possible because there's no answer. Aside from if it's like positively hysterical, it's like this will get millions and millions and millions of views and everybody will love it and enjoy it. So I, I always really like that. And Tom's such an amazing guy that, that that's really fun. Um, I think the fact that we now have multiple people with sparky tattoos is kind of, that's incredible. Um, and then the, the sparky awards, I think they're also really awesome. Like we would, this week we were going through the, the rookies of the year and the young builders of the year. And I was saying to Gil, like, Gil, how old are these people? And like, he tells you, and you're like, how, eh? Like, how can they do that at such a young age? Do all these like amazing different things and be so good at like, not just building robotics, but being at school and doing all this other stuff. So I think it's really like, those are the success stories and seeing the impact of like exposing that to the world and saying, here's these amazing people building these amazing machines. And then, people want to come and 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 i think i guess the single most the single thing i like the most or i think is the most success is when you hear that story mm. of like tam farkas at work or somebody was getting a haircut and they said hey are you the guy from that nhrl thing or like even my cousin here because i'm like you probably tell by my accent i'm here in the uk and my cousin who's in the uk said hey you know that robot thing you work on is it this and there's the videos in his feed and you're like yes Jobs working, strategy working. I I mean, I personally love to see uh, a, a robotic cat get 20 million views, but it's also really awesome to be part of seeing incredible stories playing out of, of the builders. And that leads me into the first uh, listener question I have from Ryan Hunter, who uh, goes on to say, 
that preview trailer for November was unexpectedly touching, and I totally didn't have a single manly tear watching it. Are you proud of yourself? Um, Sahar, I'll let you into a secret. I said to Gil before we aired the trailer, I said the job here is to make everybody cry, and then they watch the stream. And, like, we intentionally, we knew that that was going to happen. And actually, the first, we have an amazing editor here. His name's Jay. He's he's incredible. The first cut he did had a very different soundtrack, and it was very much, like, attack mode. Like, it was, like, high energy. It was incredible. And I watched it, and you start with Jake with the best line of all time. Like, hats off. And then you end on that that moment for um, Brandon was like, no, this is this is a touching one. This is like, and every shot, this is about the people. And so back to what I was saying before, NHRL is about the people. Yes, it's robots and the robots are cool and interesting, but it's really about the people. And the finals is a celebration of that. All-Stars is going to be a celebration of that. And so to see the reaction from everyone that they 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 saw it, I think is... It's not really that we did a good job. I don't see it that way. I see it in that it's a reminder to everyone of what has happened over the last, like, six events. And that's kind of crazy to sort of see that involvement, um, uh, evolution. And for someone like Brandon to get his first dumpster, like, I was chatting to Brandon on the Friday, and I was like, is this going to be your event? Are you going to get a dumpster? He's well, you know, I've been trying and, you know, I just won this other event. And then to see him win it is like, that's cool. That's really, really cool. Um, so, yes, we're proud of that work. But really, that's just a showcase of the work that everybody else puts in, the event staff, the staff during the day, um, the production staff, but really the builders, the folks that make the robots and, and, the, and build those storylines. So I want to move on to... Uh, the the future of NHRL. Now, obviously, we're still going to talk a little bit about what's coming up this year with, uh, you know, the finals and all-stars, but where do you see the league going and what do we have to do to get there? Um, I think it, it goes back to when we think about, like, what's the strategic objective? It's to, like, turn this into a, in, in quotation marks, real sport and to be a real sport. Like, what does that mean? Well, really, it has to be recognized by everybody else like we can't just say this is a real sport whether that's us or the the community that's been doing this for 30 odd years um regular people have to accept that it is um and have to understand it and know what it is and 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 kind of recognize that and so i think that that's a really big task for us um we know that we can get people to watch like a minute um, slightly longer of, of like robot combat like how do we make them go from that to being like the fans and so that's like a big strategic objective. How do we bring this to more people? How do we put it in more places? Not just so next year we, you know, we, we're going national. We have the the Norwalk events and then we have um, events around the country planned. We're still settling on where that's going to be and what that looks like. But also to, to use that basketball analogy again, it can't just be that you, you can only go to NHRL or you can go to like Vegas or like dotted around the like other events it has to be how do we make this so you can kind of do it anywhere um like imagine if you went to a home depot and there was a robot cage there and you could like buy parts off the shelf like not saying that that's the thing we're going to do but like what's the equivalent of that um and like the vision that i see for like five ten years time and if you think about i sports is when you go around the u.s 
school or college campus, to me as a as a Brit when I first moved to the US, it was astounding when you see the level of athletics facilities there are, whether that's a running track or a football field or a swimming pool. What's the iSports equivalent of that? So how do we get it so that instead of going to to college and doing football, you can go to college and like robot combat is your sport of choice. And so that there's robot combat cages or like rocket launch pads or whatever like the future direction is. So it's really about thinking it about it in those terms. And that's like a five to 10 year vision. And it sounds kind of crazy, but if I'd said to you like 18 months ago, where we were with NHRL and where we are now, like you would say, no, that's crazy. That would never happen. You would never have like 200 plus robots on an event. You would never have eight cages. You would never have 12 events a year. You would never have this. And so it is kind of insane and it is kind of scary, but I think having a big scary goal that pictures pictures it in people's minds and like what if like the kids of tomorrow, instead of looking up at a poster on their world of like LeBron, they're looking up and it's a poster of like Zoe or Lucy Do or Jim or like someone else. And like that is kind of happening already, right? We have fans of those things. And so that that to me is like the goal. That's where we're trying to get to. Um, and so everything that we do has to drive us towards that. How do we improve? How do we like build a, how do you build a business so that it, you know, it can stand on its own TV and it generates revenue and it does like clever and smart things so that we can keep growing. Um, and that's really the, the challenge that we have. So before I hand it off to Lindsay, who's going to talk about the world championships coming up, uh, you know, this week. I, uh, I tacked on a couple of questions here because I think that you uh, offer to, to you know, um, share some of your expertise with these folks out there. Uh, we have some incredible builder diaries right now on YouTube. Um, the first comes to mind, we have, you know, Seth and Just Cause Robotics is always making content, uh, you know, some featuring his components, you know, generally getting his bots and stuff ready for tournaments. But Jake from Maximizer has also started creating content. It's incredible. It's engaging. You can tap your foot to it. You know, what, um, what part do you see in the builders creating their own content as part of the growth of the sport? And what professional advice would you offer to content creators out there that are already making their content or ones that are interested in getting started making robotics content? Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you brought this one up because we, we've noticed this um, over the last like six to 12 months, how much more is cropping up. And I think there's like a rising tide lifts all boats thing here. And hopefully some of the success that folks have seen that NHRL's had has helped in some part for them to, to, to do more, whether that's, you know, Seth, who went full-time in doing kind of combat robot stuff, um, or Jake, as you mentioned, starting his or doing doing more content. And, and all of it's great. I think I think as part of like the growth pattern of becoming, you know, that vision of being a real sport as seen by other people, you need that. You need the competitors to be building up their own personas and to to take advantage of social media and not be scared of it. And so the, the number one thing anyone that doesn't use TikTok will say is, oh, it's just stupid people dancing. And it's not. The thing that TikTok was really good at, it did two things. One, it democratized content creation. And what I mean by that is, so I own a production company. It made it so that you didn't need to go to a company like mine. You could edit right there in the app. 
So all of a sudden, all these people that have ideas can very, very quickly make that idea a reality. And then the second thing that they do is they probably have the best algorithm in terms of finding the information that you are going to find entertaining or interesting or insightful. And so it's a really, really good tool in, in both of those. Yes, there's still like crap on there as there is everywhere. But I would say is to anyone else, think about those different channels. Don't be afraid of them. Don't be a cynic. It's really easy to be a cynic and say, oh, that's that's not for me. That's just people dancing. Go and try it. See what you See what happens. You'll be surprised when you get that first video that suddenly gets a million likes. You, the first thing you want to do is you want to make another one and you'll never get another million likes for another 10, 100 videos. But you have to keep making it. And so it's it's understanding the, the platforms where your content is going to be viewed. And then it's about storytelling. And everything comes back to storytelling. Can you tell a really good story? Can you, beginning, middle and end, the fundamental basics, but like, what's the journey that you're taking on there? What's your unique like point of view? So with Seth, Obviously, he has a lot of combat experience, a lot of engineering knowledge that he can impart to people. And his videos are really good and tend to be like a, a kind of teach-along type thing. Whereas Jake is giving you the insight into his robot builds with Jake's like unique sense of humor. And there's like really fun things thrown in there. And there was the there was one where he was like he was like writing down an idea and he like throws the paper and he chucks it and then he's like, oh, by the way. Here's my sponsor. And like, that's, that's gold. That's like, you don't need like to spend 20 grand on like equipment. If you can tell a good story, then when you can tell a good story, you know, the platforms, you know how the platforms work and how you get audience. Then I would invest a little bit more in the production, like good lighting. Um, the, these things, the phones are amazing these days in terms of like the capture that you can do. So um, it's those three things. I would focus on the platform, really understand them. Don't just sit on YouTube. Don't just think about YouTube. Think about all of them um, because I guarantee you there is a big lack of like engineering storytelling on platforms like TikTok that somebody could well fill and you know, that could be their full-time job. Number two, storytelling, really, 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 really focus hard on storytelling. It's really hard to do, but when you do it well, it works really well. And then once you've got those two, then think about your production quality and how could you make your audio just a little bit better? How can you use lighting better? You don't need to necessarily go and buy a bunch of lights, but if you're shooting yourself, maybe sit against the window so that you get like a decent amount of light on your face and think about those principles. Just keep doing it because it's really, really hard to do good content. Awesome insights, Chris. Thank you. I'm going to pass over to Lindsay, who's going to talk about our world championships. Yeah. Uh, before I do, I just, I, I want to, think back to like what I think was maybe our first viral video um, on TikTok, which in, I think was the Lars Elliott one um, where he um, had, I think maybe it just got knocked out, but had like made it so far in the competition on like all of his spares. <laughs> and he was like, what the hell? Like this wasn't supposed to happen. And um, I just, I think about that video a lot because it wasn't even necessarily robotics related for anybody who was like scrolling by it wasn't um i don't think like maybe initially clear what it was about it was just like this kid with this emotion and like everybody's you know maybe had that feeling of like i wasn't supposed to be here but i am and it worked out and like holy crap um and 
uh yeah and then people like started um taking that audio and applying it to other things and like duetting it and um it just yeah it makes me think again about like just the storytelling element the human element like it's so integral to what this whole sport is um and uh i don't know this always makes me a little a little period when i think about yeah, it it was it was awesome I think there's there's like a genuineness that like really came across that I think people connect with. Yeah. And like I think his line was something like, It just won't die, god damn it. <laughs> and he sounded like a forty five year old like person who just like driven a NASCAR around and he's like this 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 young guy with this um this robot. And so it, it goes as you say, it goes back to the to that human connection. Like if if we'd have shown Whatever I can't remember which event it was, but if we did put a video out and it was like the final, like it wouldn't have done that well. But you see this 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 human, and you go, "I really like that person. He seems really genuine. He's worked really hard, and he's uh, I'm going to share that with my friends." And so it goes back to that the faces of havoc strategy that we had, and it's you know it's good to see those things work. Yeah. Well, speaking of Faces of Havoc, there are going to be many faces this weekend at the uh, at the World Championships, the finals. It's incredibly exciting. I mean, I every year I feel like my excitement grows and grows and grows. This is probably the most exciting one yet. Um, so what storylines are you watching this weekend? Do you have in the back of your mind? Like, are you hoping for a JMO sweep for the, uh, I don't know, storytelling purposes or like, what, I don't know. What, what, what are you looking for going into this event? Um, I think really where, where NHRL is now is so competitive and so hard to win. And the quality of the, the robots, the quality of the builders, the way that builders approach. Like, I think everyone pretty much now knows that this isn't an event where you just turn up with the best robot and you win. Like, you have to get, you have to figure out how you're going to make your pit window work. Mm -hmm. How are you going to prepare between matches? How are you going to think about your opposition? How are you going to strategize, like, when you can attack? When do you defend? All that, that kind of thing. So I think it's, to me, it's it's really about, it's bringing those things to the fore and how do we showcase how hard everybody's worked and 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 really that like human side so you know if we go back to the trailer like the brandon moment it's impossible to not see how much that moment meant to him how much how many times he was almost there he was the nearly guy and then he won and like there's a little bit of me that would love brandon to win again um because of that and he's, he's such like a polite nice guy um but it's not really about any one builder it's really about thinking okay what are the what are the storylines that have happened across the year that we can we can lean into um but then it's about covering what happens in front of us as best we can do because no one has any idea what's going to happen right we can all pick a, a top four or whatever and i think um maybe it was the september event um the top five robots that everybody had predicted in i think it was a three-pound class went out really early yeah. and so no one really knows and so you talk about jim or sweet well you know jim didn't win anything last year and so is that going to happen again knowing jim i don't think he would let that happen um 
And so how does that change the way he approaches it? I think he's maybe, has he got four robots in it now? He's got like two silent spring and silent silent X. Um, That's going to be really hard for him. Um, And, you know, when we put things like the schedule together, we kind of have to account for that a little bit, but we can't give him like extra time that nobody else would get. So um, there's a lot of difficulties logistically in in making sure things like that happen. Um, Like look at links. Like if we just said to you, a few months ago, you would not have believed that Lynx would would have not been able to make it. Um, and so the the season before that, we had Lucy do with Hot Leaf Juice. That was the best 12. That didn't place anywhere. I think Lucy said, I can't remember who she said it to, maybe I made this up or dreamt it, but she said she didn't realize how good NHRL had become and how like tough the competition was. And then they came back with Kablui Tango and that just wiped the floor with everyone um, yeah. and like horizontals in general. So it's really hard to like think about like who's going to win and who's going to do that. And so I don't really think that that's our job. I think the way that we approach it is like, what are the storylines coming into it? And then how do we tell that best story across the day and keep people informed as to what's happening? And then how do we also have in the back of our minds, like what's going to be good after this? So for example, if it's Tick Dutch Oven as an example, like what are the, what are the changes that, have been made to Dutch oven that are not that are there for finals or for that particular event or whatever. Maybe Dutch oven is a wrong example, but like if we can make content that has relevance beyond finals, that's also really good because people can then watch that in like six months time. So it's trying to get this balancing act, um, but really about covering this. This one's a bit different because it's, it's going to be a, a heck of a day. Um, and I have no idea who's going to win anything. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's a tall order to even guess like top five, like as you've, you've seen the last number of events, I think it wasn't even just September, it could have been August as well. I mean, it's like uh, everyone's expectations have been kind of flipped on their head because just the level of competition expands every single time. It's so hard to predict. Um, But is there someone going into November um, that you think we should pay attention to who maybe hasn't gotten is maybe not like the loudest personality hasn't gotten like mo- um you know as much screen time i'm gonna put my uh uh nomination out there for jonathan juarez um from warhard he has kind of been quietly improving his robot event after event after event he's been competing with warhard since 2021 he finally qualified with it um you know at the september event and it was almost like undeniable his bot that that event and like it it really made me happy that like finally like he's getting some shine um but uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts on other uh, him or anyone else that you think is, you know, maybe uh, lot, lost the pack. I think a lot of folks in Discord probably agree with that. I think there was a discussion earlier this week talking about um, Warhard. Um, I'm going to say Rachel de Guzman. I think that she's um, she's had a couple of events this year where she's turned up and kicked ass. Yeah. Um, she's definitely not the loudest voice. I don't even know if she participates in uh, discord i know remy does a little bit um, but yeah rachel um she's my uh, i think she fits the criteria for the question yeah rachel's awesome and monkfish monkfish has so much personality in in that bot 
um it's you know yeah. to not root for um so we have a question here from serial killer builder Kokoto Mane, who wants to know who do you think is gonna win in each weight class but i feel like you know it's not not really me i i know if you want to answer it you can but i know it's like not really uh, uh necessarily your place to decide the winners or predict the winners but is there something yeah else? i mean i to be honest i have no idea like <laughs> i think it's i think it's such a hard thing to to try and figure out i think kablui tango has shown that it's it's a tank it's hard to it's hard to beat it's built incredibly well by really talented builders and team um so i think that they've got a really good shot in the in the 30 pound um i mean maximizer he's got more dumpsters than losses that's <laughs> fight and talk um so i think maybe another horizontal in the 12s the three pound i think he's like i have no idea honestly i i, I don't even think i've given it any thought because it's so hard to think about like if you before the last few events you would probably put a lot of money on it being Lynx or Droopy and a pair of them, well, a version of the pair of them got knocked out by Synthesis um, in probably the greatest fight we've ever had. The, one of the most amazing things we've, we've ever seen. So I think it's really tough. Um, I think that the three pound obviously has so many more builders. I think it's, it's easier, not maybe easier, but it's certainly cheaper to, to develop those bots. Um, you can test them a little bit easier. So I think just the, the quality of competition is is high across all the weight classes, but in the three pound, I think it's 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 so, so tough. Uh, I'd love it to be someone new um, from just purely from a storytelling perspective, but I think whoever wins is definitely going to be very, very deserving of it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I feel like the finals is such a great bookend to what's been a really incredible year a year of probably the most intense fights, um, some of the biggest moments. Um, I feel like there's probably no one on earth who watches more just straight footage of NHRL than you. Um, is, is the, are there just moments that like, when you think about the 2023 season, uh, you know, that, that make it like all worth the crazy amount of effort that goes into, you know, what, what you do on your end. Um, I mean, there's, there's so many, but I think it's really hard to look past synthesis against the two brigades. And I think there's like a few different reasons for that. One is the brigade was like a loophole robot and all the kind of um, conversation, let's say, around loophole robots. Um, I think there was, there was another one with uh, with Robert Walsh and Apex yeah. against loophole. And you have this, this young kid that knocked these two amazing robots out that... Uh, I think it was fully defined, which had already won maybe a dumpster was it in May this year or maybe it was last year. Um, like that's great, but I think synthesis against Booty Brigade because towards the end of it, not only was it this amazing fight, but you have Calvin and Tommy like <laughs> banging the cage to say like keep going, like destroy our <laughs> robot, and you you can just see Corey in the background. He is he's in the zone, like he is fully locked in. I don't even think he would remember most of it because he just looks so locked in. And his reaction afterwards, like he left everything. Like I'm a huge sports fan and you can tell when someone is like they're on it and they leave everything on the football field or the racetrack or whatever. He left everything 
in that fight and he collapsed afterwards. The crowd's going wild. You've got amazing commentary from, I think it was Chris and Luke. Um, just everything about it is like just perfect. Um, and we had fans in the stands, which is another like issue that we had in previous years with things like double elimination, where it would be like 2 a.m., everybody's tired, the robots are a bit dead, no one's in the stands. And so it was like a lot of things paying off in terms of like the single elimination format, which we know um, is not some people's favorites. Um, the loophole rule, which we know is not some people's favorites. Um, you've got these these two world-class, you know, Link's probably the greatest three-pound ever coming into that event. And it was a slightly modified version. And then you've got Coronation, who I believe is a nurse, and kicked both their asses and just like collapsed in a big heap. And so in front of a huge crowd, everybody's going crazy. You've even got Hype Man there. <laughs> um, no fight is complete unless Hype Man's there. So I think it was just everything just into that. And it was brilliant. And Corey is just such a a lovable character. Um, I know when I'm always, you know, in the YouTube chat, you know, modding and, and whatnot during events, every single time he fights, there are a number of people who are there cheering for him being like, yeah, Corey's my mentor. Like he's helped me. He's taught me everything I know. Like, you know, let's get it. And, and just, just like for someone to be that good and invest so much time in the community, be a mentor. Like that's what it's all about. And um, he's definitely someone I'm, I'm really rooting for. I mean, I'm rooting for everybody, obviously, but like someone yeah. I'm just rooting for in a human level. Cause um, you know, he really gives back. And I think, I think that's great. One, one of the things that I really enjoy, and I'm sure you do this too, cause you probably see as, as, as much, if not more of the YouTube comments that, as I do is the stream will start and someone will drop in. It'll be, what time is NoobTube fighting? Or mm -hmm. I'm here for Positively Hysterical. Or I'm here for such and such a robot. And so it's like a validation that, yes, we are building fans. Yeah. And so I hope that like someone comes in and is like, what time is Synthesis fighting? Because they've seen that fight and they're now a fan. And it's th those are the, like the little moments that you, you kind of feel the impact and like the growth that, that happens and that you kind of then you can connect it back to that human element that somebody saw a thing and now they're a fan of this person they've never met who is a nurse normal times of the day and then mm -hmm. on a weekend they build this amazing robot that destroys like two of the greatest builders and robots that have ever lived um now are there any format changes for saturday that you can talk to um I think the it's an additional like qualifying round, if I believe. Yeah, so there's um the, the qualifying format is slightly different. So basically if you win two fights, you're in the bracket. Um so it's it's broken up based on seeding. So like number one fights number twenty-four. The winner of that goes through to one route, the loser of that then goes into the second round, and then the second round loses fight each other. And then whoever wins goes into the third round and they fight the, um, the winners of the first matches. So essentially, fight, win twice, you win the bracket. If you don't, you're out. Um, and so it's a slightly changed format. Um, but one of the big changes that we've, we've made behind the scenes is around the schedule, which is probably the least interesting thing to talk about, but it actually has huge impact. So we've planned out every single fight which cage they're in, 
which ones are we going to cover on the stream? Where are they going to be? And we plan to do that throughout the day. And so we've looked at lots and lots of data from previous events, from World Championships last year, from previous events this year. Like, what's the actual amount of time builders take um, to repair between different rounds? Um, if there's any builders listening, that doesn't mean you can take forever. Um, <laughs> you still get your minimum amount of time allowed. Um, but it will mean that we shouldn't have any delays because builders are taking too long to fix and that they feel time pressured and what that allows us to do is if we can stick to that schedule then we can plan in things when there are breaks in play and we don't have this scenario where we don't have any robots fighting and then we have like eight all come down at once because there was you know builder repairs took a little bit long or maybe there was like a cage issue and then we have this scenario where we can't cover every fight we can only cover one at a time and so We've built the schedule to hopefully allow and account for that. And we can build in things like exhibition fights, um, freestyle fights, um, get all that good stuff on, and then have a really nicely planned out schedule, which allows us to be able to say, hey, if you want to watch the finals, come at this time. Um, if you want to watch from the quarterfinals on, come at this time, which is a really hard thing for us to be able to do. But it all goes back to how we plan that schedule and then how do we make sure that pit repairs are on time. Uh, everybody will get their at least their minimum amount, but it's planned that they will get more. That doesn't mean that you can take 25 minutes to screw the top plate on, otherwise the hunters will come for you. Um, we've planned in things like repairing the cages. We're changing the way that we repair cages. I saw somebody on Discord saying that we changed the type of wood that we used, which is incorrect. Um, so... It's, it's, it's using that data to plan out how can we do things better. And so that really means that the experience for everybody is, is improved. So the experience for the builders is improved. The experience for fans in attendance is improved. The experience for people who are watching on the stream is improved because they'll always drop in and see something good happening. Um, we won't get it right. There will be improvements to make, as there always is. But like the schedule is like the, the starting point for that. And we've, we've, we've put weeks and weeks of work into it. This uh, made me kind of think of a, another question. What is like a lesson that you've learned maybe in uh, the 2022 season uh, or beyond um, that, you know, now you feel like you're able to apply to this final and and um, kind of make an improvement based on on prior learnings? I think one of the biggest changes that happened was we had a guy called Ed who runs all the operations at NHRL and he's like, most people probably don't know he exists, but he's a really, really talented guy that had worked at startups before, he'd worked at big media companies. And so he's brought like a level of professionalism, particularly around like the tournament operations, um, the technology um, that makes everything work is so complex that um, is really hard to explain, but it it's all completely interlinked. And that's like the marriage of those two things allows us to do really interesting stuff. We've got some amazing upgrades to our cameras um, that we're going to see at, the, at, at this event. Um, the camera angles, the camera quality. Um, we're hopefully going to be going to 4K, um, maybe for All Stars. Um, that takes like huge investment. Um, obviously, Austin is the founder and chairman. He's not involved day to day, as you can imagine. He has lots of things to do, but it's like having the greatest CTO on the planet because it's like, hey, Austin, here's a challenge, um, but you can't do it. And then like four minutes later, he's worked out some incredible thing where it can, it can work. So 
it's seeing like all those things come together so that we can make our tournaments run more efficiently, but make them run efficiently so that we can deliver what we need to do from a strategy perspective. So that builders have a good time. They enjoy it. Um, the fans have a good time. And I think one of the big learnings that we've had is that bigger doesn't necessarily mean better. And so our tournaments were growing and we, we, we were kind of really lucky in that we had to put in red caps because we just grew so big and like, our oh, the, I, I did a, um, I did a projection. I think it was in like February that nobody believed um, mm-hmm. about how many robots we would have got in September. And if we hadn't put the red caps, we'd have easily got to that number. And it kind of shows the scale that we've, we've gone through. And it was like so much higher than what we had in, in February that, that it seemed crazy, but that's what happened. Um, and it's literally you just get the numbers and you put a straight line like this and that's where we got to. So I think it's, it's that combination of all those different things and learning that bigger doesn't mean better. And we're trying to figure out like, what is the best tournament size? Like how many, how many robots should we have an, a, an event, particularly in Norwalk for like a one day thing? And that's a really hard thing to quantify because we want to let as many people in as possible to, to, to do this and to enjoy themselves and to have fun. Um, and as I said before, like NHRL can be like a, a social meetup for people that only see each other every few weeks. And so to deny those people the chance to be with their friends is really tough. Um, so it's really taking those learnings and figuring out like what is the best size. Um, we know that having 400 robots isn't the right size. Um, and that makes the enjoyment, the experience less enjoyable for everyone. Um, but what is the actual size? And I think that's probably the the biggest learning. I love that. Um, all right. So I have one slightly funny question from a listener before I pass you back over to Chris. Um, less about the finals, still important. Uh, it's from Ashley Beckman, uh, who we all know and love from Milk Tank, from the Pit Desk, etc. Also Team Magnitude, which we can now uh, uh, announce. But she says, Chris, how much ridiculous footage and photos of me do you have and have you been hiding it? <laughs> so just to, just to set the scene for that, this is uh, this would be footage that has been filmed by cameras, not me personally, like be- behind a bush. Yeah, or, not, like, not a like window. Secret, you know, uh, unlike that is, <laughs> there is zero footage of that. But um, there's, uh, I mean, look, we have so much footage that we get from every single event. We have like over 150 feeds that come into the control room from mixed between video and audio. Um, we then have our own camera crews that will roam around the pits capturing stuff. And so we, we come back with it's something like four to five terabytes of information and data. And that doesn't include all the stuff that doesn't make it on the stream. So the, the content that gets posted into the Discord in like the Sparky Chat um, channel. Um, so there's like a huge amount of footage. Not all of it is is Ashley, um, uh, but managing that that all that footage is really hard. And knowing like what do we publish, what do we create, what's the content, and so there's like processes that we have in place. We have these big Excel spreadsheets or Google Sheets that have every fight, every piece of information documented. Who won? We have producer notes. We have gill notes that goes into like. This would make a good you be the judge. This would make a good such and such. This would be good, but we don't have enough footage. So there's like there's lots of bits of content that we've worked on that we don't quite have enough footage for yet. So for example, Baby Grim, 
at the last event, we did an interview with them, but then their, their fights weren't the best um, and we didn't capture them all. And so we kind of have to park that for a little bit and then maybe we'll come back to that piece in future. So there's some of that with Ashley. We did do one piece when, when Ashley was part of Milk Tank that we published, um, but there's there's some footage of Ashley. All of it is above board. None of it was through a window or a bush. It's so clear. <laughs> incredible i i think about like shows like i don't know the daily show who have to have people watching every single news outlet and be able to pull clips from decades ago sometimes and it seems like almost a similar operation for you and your team at nhrl i how do you go through four terabytes of data i i can't even begin to understand but thank you for your service (laughs) it's a lot we have a really good team and, and, and thankfully we have like a good folks who they know what works. They're kind of, uh, they see everything. They, they know what the audience would be interested in. And so how do we like marry those two things up? It's funny. Yeah. There was like some videos where, you know, we were accused of, I can't remember the, the exact phrase someone used, but it was like courting, courting controversy for clout or something. Uh, and it's like, no, we, that's not what we're doing at all. It's just that that was an interesting moment. And if somebody didn't see that, then they would be interested in seeing it. And so we'll, we'll, we'll publish that. Um, like controversy gets us nowhere, just so we're like clear. Like we, we're not interested in creating controversy. There might be a controversy among like the 500 people on Discord, but like the rest of the world doesn't really care. And so our job isn't to like create a controversy for 500 people on Discord. Our job is to go, how do we get, 20 million people to be interested in this thing and like that's our goal not like the light fell down and we we rigged up the light so that the light would fall down at the exact moment that links roofed a different robot and then the the referee counted out in a particular way so that we got rid of links like really <laughs> like yes and the earth is also flat <laughs> um so uh yeah it's a lot of there's a lot of footage all right, I'm going to hand you on back over to Chris to talk about All-Stars. Thank you, Lindsay. Uh, so, yeah, I know that you folks over at the NHRL headquarters are total slackers and are really going to sleep through uh, the December season. So just to make things a little bit more challenging for yourselves to keep yourselves on your toes, we're wrapping up the World Championships this weekend and only four and a half weeks later. You guys are kind of pulling the veil off of an all-new event, all-new format. Uh, This is going to be Havoc All-Stars. Chris, what on earth is Havoc All-Stars? And I know that it's just been a flurry uh, there on the back end to pull this whole thing together in such a short runway. Give us the deets. Well, not only that, we've then got an, an event in January that, that comes hot on the heels of that. So we don't really give ourselves an off-season, which maybe we should do. Uh, we might just go on holiday for, or vacation for as soon as All-Stars is finished. Um, so All-Stars is our, is our new three-day event. And we're trying a whole bunch of new and interesting and different ideas. Uh, there's a lot of things that we can't test and trial and, and experiment with during the season because we, we want to maintain that sporting integrity across the competition. And so we can't change rules. We can't change um, like timings, all these, these other things. So we wanted to approach it with, if you were to send a, a broadcast or an event or a tournament to your friends and family that don't know anything about robot combat that they might want to watch, what would it be? 
And that's kind of like the driving force behind what this is, because we know that, you know, a 12 hour long tournament on a Saturday is, is a big endeavor for, for a lot of people. Um, 300 fights, um, lots of robots that they may not understand. And so it's kind of hard to dip your toe into. So we wanted to create this format that could become a, an annual thing, might not be. It's just a, it's an idea at this stage. Uh, well, it's a real idea because it's, it's happening. Um, so the idea is it's 12 robots across each of the three weight classes. Um, we're, they're going to fight in a group stage format and then they'll go into a World Cup style format. So quarterfinals, semifinals, final. Um, every robot that participates will go home with a prize. Um, there's a prize fund, I think it's about $14,000. Um, so those robots that are that don't make it out of the group stages will get a Sendcut Send voucher, um, which they can exchange, obviously, for Sendcut Send stuff. Um, and then from then on in, it's all cash prizes up to the winners. So it's it's a much bigger prize fund than a typical um, Saturday event. Um, it's on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, so it's midweek because we wanted to see, like, how does that change things? Like, would the builders be interested in competing midweek for a start? Can we get an audience midweek? Saturday afternoons is really hard because you're competing against people who have soccer practice or they go to the aquarium or they it's like their day off. And so to commit a whole day to either watching or competing at NHRL is really, really tough. And so how could we see what, what might happen if it was midweek? Um, and if you just make minor changes, you can't really see like what was the differentiating factor. So they kind of have to be bigger changes. Um, so it's evenings, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So there should be less things to compete with. Um, it's going to be, we've got some really interesting special surprise guests, uh, which we hope to announce uh, as soon as possible, probably after finals, because we don't want to muddy the waters a little bit there. But they are going to be uh, amazing. One of the, one of the, one of the activation type things that they're doing involves them fighting with a robot but also wearing a suit attached to a taser. So when their robot gets hit, they get tased. And this was their idea, not ours, just so we're clear. And anyone that fights them, they won't get tased. Um, but anyway, so that's kind of a, a little peek behind the curtain. So there's some really interesting and fun ideas. Um, we think it's going to be a really exciting and different way to consume. We, we think and we hope that it's the type of thing that you could say to a friend or a family member, hey, you know that thing I do, you should check this out because you're really going to enjoy it. It's much shorter. It's more consumable. We can drive people into it. We'll know who's fighting when. We can promote it in advance. We'll have more time to tell the stories of the people, which, you know, as we've talked about earlier, has a really big impact in how well we can bring this sport to more people and we build up those personas of, of, of the competitors. And if they want to start their own YouTube channels and stuff, this, this should be a help. Um, so it allows us to do lots of new and interesting things. The, the pressure on the builders during the competition is a lot less because you're probably only going to have two fights per day maximum. So the first day is mostly going to be the group stages. So it's four groups of three. So each, you'll fight each robot twice. Then the second day we're calling the Jeopardy Day or Jeopardy Night. So we'll probably have uh, a final fight from each of the group stages in there so that there's this kind of knockout and cliffhanger moment then you go into the quarterfinals then the final day is semis and finals we've got some really cool new ways to, to turn up and um, watch the event so we've got this new idea called the pit club so the pit club is kind of like an indoor tailgate but up in the pits 
And so fans can come and it's a much cheaper ticket. I think it's $10. You can come and you can experience it in there. So you'll have these, um, the 12 robots in each weight class, you'll be able to see them in between uh, fights, repairing the robots, getting them built. You'll see them come back up from the arena floor and like charged up with either excitement or sadness if they've lost. Um, we know that people love the pit tours. They, they buy the VIP tickets. And so it's, an, it's a way of bringing people into there. We can get more people up there than in the bleachers. Obviously, that's a limited um, folks we can get there. There's a pit club lounge, which is like a VIP experience. You'll be right next to the pits. You'll see everything. Um, I think we're going to try and get some sort of Jumbotron-type situation, but um, I'm probably putting too much work on the, the logistics folks. Uh, so they'll probably kill me now. Uh, but there's lots of new and interesting um, ways to experience it, get up and close and personal with the builders. Uh, the VIP experience is slightly different to a regular event. The seats are going to be right in front of the cages, so you can you can see all the action. Um, and it should be should be a lot of fun for everyone. I'm I'm sure that the builder community uh, they they might not realize it yet, but I'm sure that they will be very thankful that a lot of this experimentation is going on during an event like all-stars instead of during the finals where, you know, they are literally sweating bullets trying to uh, take home the, uh, the big prize. And, you know, there's a tailgate party kind of happening six feet uh, outside their table. This seems like a good setting for it to get fans to kind of come in and experience things differently. Uh, I'm curious, is there any other type of content that we're going to be producing that's new, fun, different? Uh, and what, other kind of flexibility do we have with such a smaller number of bots uh, spread out over a longer period of time? What exactly can we do to get more insights into the builders and what's happening in the pits? Yeah, so we we kind of, um, we know that there's a lot of, let's call them the OG builders that were there in like the 50 day days. Um, and there was like this smaller kind of community feel where it was kind of a little bit less pressure, less intense. There weren't like 168 three-pound robots that they had to fight through. So the idea is it's kind of more of a pressure off and that bringing that old school feel. It's five years since NHRL started. Um, so it's a bit of a celebration of that. So it allows us to kind of make it more fun and flexible. Um, one thing we can reveal is that um, one of the 30-pound builders will be our very own Ricky Willems. He'll be bringing a robot called Moccasin, which is a 30-pound version of Mammoth. And so the way that we're thinking about that is if we go back to kind of that storytelling, we can get a really unique and interesting um, viewpoint from Ricky. So you imagine Ricky's on the desk and he says, guys, I've, I've got to leave now. I've got to go upstairs. And then we cut to Ricky. Ricky's in the pits. Maybe he's got a GoPro on his head. Um, I mean, if it was my job, he'd have like 100 of them attached to him, but I don't think he'd want that. Uh, and he can talk us through live. This is what I'm doing to prepare my robot. Okay, now I'm going to the pit desk and I'm going to hear this bit. I'm walking down to the cage. Here I am. I'm doing safety at the cage. There's a protocol and a process that everything has to be safe. We unlock this. Here's my weapon lock, etc. And he can really give you a, a competitor's viewpoint live and you're seeing it and you're hearing it. And so during a fight, it could be, hey, so now I'm trying to get around the back of this robot so that I can attack because its weapon is at the front. Oh, now I've been knocked over. I'm going to try and self-right so I have to don't, don't have to burn my unstick. And the unstick is where the house spot comes over. And the reason I don't want to do that is if I get knocked over later on, et cetera, et cetera. So it gives us this 
way to tell a story that we couldn't do during a regular event. Um, it gives us a bit more time to do that. We can we can hopefully film some stuff with the builders during the day um, whilst they're, they're in, in Norwalk and we can publish that live. We can also publish some of that later on. One of the difficulties we have on a regular event is folks turn up from like Friday evening at some unpredetermined time and then they leave on Saturday and they have this big event to, to compete at. And so it's hard to do content with them because they don't have any time and they're there to do one thing and we don't want to get in their way. Um, whereas with this, we have a bit more time to spend with them to understand. So Jim Kazmer and Project Liftoff, he had Deep Melt. What's he doing with that AI technology? That's Is some of that going to make its way into Project Liftoff? Spoiler alert. Um, and how does that all work? And like what, if we look at Project Liftoff a few years ago when it barely moved to this like death bot that it is now that can drive on its own and destroy maybe the planet, um, that's a really interesting evolution. And, and you know, we did a piece with 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 Kyle and Jim a while back that was really good. So it's really how can we tell those stories? How can we bring that to to new audiences? How can we um, bring that into the broadcast and so that that three-hour-long broadcast or three-and-a-half-hour-long broadcast, it doesn't matter what time you drop into it, there's always something good is happening. And literally every minute is planned out so that we know, okay, at this time, this person has to be in this location so that they can do their ring walk at this time. We have to run, like, the safety process at the cage has to be done at this time. We need a 45-second tape to, to play over the top of that and that's going to play at 7.46 and 30 seconds so that it's ready. And then the cage starts at this time. And then you guys on the desk, you've got a minute to talk about what happened. The replays have to go in. So it's a really complex and difficult thing to pro- to produce. But by being able to plan every second of it, we can make it so that every second is important. So if somebody drops into it, they stick around, they watch it a bit longer, and then hopefully they become a fan of the sport. Well, I just want to give one more nod to the absolute, you know, Herculean effort that it has been to kind of put All-Stars together, especially again, four and a half weeks after the World Championships and probably four and a half weeks before Newbot January. Uh, so thank you, you know, to you guys and, and the whole team over there, you know, your, yourself, uh, you know, Ed, Kelly, Austin, uh, Saz, Sam, like uh, Ricky, I, you all just do an absolutely fantastic job. And I'm really looking forward to All Stars. I think some really fun, cool stuff is going to come out of that. Um, and we only have one more thing that we really want to talk about, Chris. And I'm going to pass things back over to Lindsay so we can talk about uh, Havoc All Stars. I'm sorry, Havoc Academy. Yeah, I I mean, I don't have a lot of questions here, Chris. I just kind of want to hear from you. like. What's the state of Havoc Academy? We've been hearing about it now for a couple of months. Um, when's it going to launch? What's it going to look like? I've heard about something mysterious called Eric. What can you tell yeah. us? <laughs> um, so if you go back to that basketball analogy that I used before, one of the things that we we hear and see a lot is folks that were in the stands or watching online, and then they became a builder. So Michael Cross and his family with Stag Beetlebot, um, their first event, that I think they maybe their first fight, they beat Wake and Bake, which is an amazing mm-hmm. story. Um, not everybody can do that. Not everybody knows where to go and where to look for um, and how to build a robot. I mean, I 
certainly wouldn't be able to build a robot. I don't have an engineering background and I find it really hard to know where to start. There's some kit bots out there. You've got the SSP, you've got the, um, the Peter bar. And I think those are amazing. And the work that those guys have done is incredible. But I think for a rookie, someone brand new, I think that's maybe like the next step. And so what we wanted to look at is how do we look at that fan to builder conversion point and how do we make it easier? Cause we get asked so many times when, when people come to events, how do I do this? How can I um, compete? And what we don't want is we don't want a whole bunch of kit bots to just turn up um, <clears throat> in terms of like a Viper kit or a Visa bar, because whilst that's good and it, it like helps and it's easier we know that it doesn't necessarily make for really good fights. And what we, what I think a lot of those kits do is they teach you how to screw a bunch of parts together. They don't necessarily teach you about the difference between a brushed motor and a brushless motor, the, what an ESC does and why it's in there. They don't necessarily teach you that the things that maybe you'll learn over two to three years of competing. And so Academy is designed to help people on that journey so that they enter the sport safely because this is a dangerous sport or it can be a dangerous sport, but they also enter and they, they enter with an improved version of, instead of it being a basic kit bot from like Fingertech or wherever, they can turn up with a custom robot that they've made themselves that they understand. And they can go from that, like, how do I see positively hysterical and see this crazy robot and then I have an idea and you see it in the comments all the time across social, like, what about if you did this? What about if you did that? And that's what we want to try and harness. And how can we make it easier for people to go from, here's this stupid, crazy, weird, wonderful idea. How do I make that a reality? And does going down the um, fingertip beta bar route make that a reality quicker or easier? We don't think so. So Academy is designed that we're going to give you a bunch of the best components that are going to set you up for success. They're the same the components the champions use. We've run this by lots and lots of builders, um, lots and lots of champions, the ones that have won the golden dumpsters and the golden bricks, um, even ones that have won um, uh, nuts and bolts in other competitions. So we know that these are really good components. We know that you could reuse these in if you wanted to build a different robot, even if you wanted to build a remote control car, if you wanted to build a drone. We're going to teach you why have we given you a brushless motor? What does that mean? Why do I need that? Why do I? Why should I not have a brushed motor? Why do? You, why have you given me this specific type of transmitter? What do all these components do? So that you learn this over six to eight weeks. Um, we've got this online masterclass hmm. with probably around twenty to twenty-five videos. We're going to give you all these component parts, and the retail cost of Academy adds up to about the cost of the retail components that um, it will cost you to buy off the shelf. Um, so you get that, you get the masterclass. Um, our events are going to be really oversubscribed um, in the next few years. So we give you a guaranteed spot to compete at one of our events. You'll wow. have a dedicated mentor. So part of what we want to do is be able to give back to the builder community and be able to bring in the builders so that they can say, okay, you're gonna, I'm going to be your mentor for this event. And then we can, we can pay some of the builders to do that. Um, there'll be a private Discord channel and an email address so you can email questions in if you have them. Um, that'll be manned by henchmen um, and, and other moderators, so you'll you'll be able to ask as many questions as you want. No question is stupid. Um, and there, we're potentially looking at academy-only events, so freestyle events where you can turn up. 
and then on your first event the the mentor will help you with like a soft landing so they'll guide you through safety they'll guide you through what what sort of tools should you bring they'll introduce you to other builders there that can help you out the the mentor won't give you any sporting advantage they won't give you any competitive advantage so they're not going to tell you how to fight a vert or how to fight a horizontal but they'll be able to make the introductions to like okay here's jake for maximizer he's got one of the best horizontals you should maybe talk to him about how you counter a horizontal so it's really this package that will help you um, become a really good builder um, and set you up in a nice way, particularly if you don't know what to do or where to start. Um, and the, the the bot that you will build in the first instance that you will put all these components together is called Eric. And Eric is our newest house bot. Um, and Eric stands for Electronic Robot Instruction Course. And so the idea with Eric is Eric is not a combat robot. So the first robot that you build in this kind of platform that we're developing will be will be Eric. And Eric has been designed and conceptualized um, between the henchmen, Sam and Rob, um, myself, um, working with our creative design agency, Reach, who do an amazing job um, to build this uh, incredible looking robot um, it has a face like the other house bots, uh, and it has. Sam and I were discussing. It needed to do a thing, and we decided that the thing, because we're both guys, would be what's the "I'm going to annoy my sister" feature, and we both have sisters. So um, it has like a, a grabber lifter that you can move up and down. It has Sparky's little antenna, uh, and the idea is that you will build this robot, but by the end of it, you'll learn all this information that you can then take all those component parts, you can take the chassis and the, the the base of it, and you can turn it into something else. So you could turn it into your own combat robot. You could maybe use the parts in a different kit if you bought an SSP or a pizza bar or something else. Um, and then what we will do is the way that Academy will build out over the next um, three to five years, Eric is like version one, let's say. Version two will be, okay, how do you build a flamethrower? How do you build a flipper? How do you build... And so what we might do is we might go and to someone like Aaron Hill and say, Aaron, we want to build, we want to show people how to build a flipper. We will give you X amount of money to help build this course. And so we give back to you as the community, and then people can learn from the best flipper maker on the planet. Version three will then be more about STEM. And so it becomes a full STEM masterclass. So maybe you want to learn how to program an Arduino, or maybe you want to learn how to um, reconfigure a NAS storage device, which is something I was trying to do earlier. And I have no idea how to do it. Um, so it's this kind of one-stop shop that leverages the Havoc and NHRL brand of, like, you know, you can trust us, you know, that we'll get you the best people. And we can bring in guest um, presenters uh, to help understand that. So it's this this platform to develop your builder career, um, to develop your skills in STEM, and it all starts with Eric. I, I mean, a lot of these details I'm hearing for the first time, and I find them really particularly exciting because it seems like the team has really thought about like the end-to-end experience. It's not just about the building, but then it's also you have to show up to the building and 
what do you do then? I know like my particular brand of anxiety would mean I'd probably build something in the basement and then never wanted to see the light of day because what do I do when I get there? I'm too afraid to ask what I should do or like where safety is that I would probably never do it. So like actually pairing someone with a mentor to kind of walk them through, um, you know, just the entire experience I think is really smart. Um, I'm probably not the only person <laughs> with, with that type of anxiety. So like, I, it seems like you've thought through a lot of maybe not just the barriers, but like some of the pain points, a lot of the anxiety points that people have when it comes to this, um, which I think is really smart. Um, and I love the idea of Eric. It's exciting to hear what the, you know, three to five year plan for this is going to be. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really excited. I wish I kind of want to enroll, but I also know that, uh, I'm busy most event days, so it's kind of difficult, but, um, well, the, the thing with it is, is it, it was built very much so that it's not, it's not just like a sheet of paper with a bunch of instructions. It's like Ikea furniture where you just screw a bunch of things together and then you've got this robot because you're not necessarily learning anything with that. You, all you're being taught is how to put pieces together. And so we really want to, we want you to learn and understand. And we also want to make there, there a barrier to being able to compete in terms of you have to get over that. You have to put in the effort, you have to put in the time, you have to put in the, the thought process so that you can't just buy off the shelf a really good robot and then turn up and fight. You have to put in the work because what will then happen is you will be able to realize the idea of, okay, I think I want to build a robot that shoots silly string at the opponent and then there's a, a flamethrower and then the flamethrower sets on fire the silly string and that burns the robot to pieces that's my i want to build that uh, i have no idea how to do it so hopefully the academy allows me to do that um the other thing that we really wanted to be able to do was we wanted to make sure that the components aren't just like you put them in this thing and then you never use them again it should be that you put them in this thing, You maybe you love Eric and you want to keep Eric forever, but the idea is that you kill Eric and you turn Eric into something else um, and you've got the best components in there so you don't have to buy them again and that we've thought about everything. So it will come with um, a transmitter, it will come with the batteries, it will come with a charger. So you open the box and it's everything's there. I'm sure we all remember this as kids when you get a toy, like at Christmas or whenever, and you open it up, and then you can't play with the damn toy because there's no batteries in it or they're not charged. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we tr we try to kind of make it so that everything is there that you need it to be, um, and that, that it's really really good value for money. And so if you bought the components individually, they would be the same price as the retail that we're going to sell it at. But on top of that, you get all this learning, you get this experience that no one else is going to get. You get access to the best like engineering minds in the world to help you build the best robot develop your ideas it gives you this soft landing um and it helps bring you into the sport in a really nice and interesting way so the the first part of academy is called the crash course it will be on sale at finals um it's 499 dollars. that includes everything the components the transmitter the batteries the chargers the motors everything all the the other features that i uh that i talked about um we're still waiting on some of the parts to arrive so we're not going to be able to fulfill it finals but um, we're hoping that it will be ready well in time before christmas uh, but yeah we're 499 dollars at the event um there may even be like an offer but 
don't quote me on that because Kelly will probably kill me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I think it's going to be a really interesting tool. We did a pilot actually recently um, where we got like six builders, I think, that are already signed up for Academy and we took them through kind of a similar process. They didn't build Eric, but they built Eric's predecessor uh, and they found it really, really valuable. So that was that was a good win. Um, so shout out to Rob and Sam who've done a lot of really hard work on this. It's uh, it's cool to hear that there's been some research, just like user research being done before launching this. Chris and I, you know, are that's kind of our day job. And so uh, that to me makes it seem like a really legit well thought out thing. I'm not being paid to say this, obviously. It just this makes me happy to hear <laughs> that it's not, you know, just cobbled together and and sent out. Like actually having people tested is fantastic. Um, and yeah, again, not being paid to say this, but that seems like a pretty fantastic Christmas gift, if uh, you ask me. <laughs> I think it should be. And and honestly, Eric looks awesome. Um, Sam is finishing the card for it and he's testing out some of the the, the different colors of uh, plastic that he's using in it but it looks amazing um, so hopefully we'll be able to debut that at finals and everybody can meet eric for the first time is there like we're, an, no, we're not being age? paid to say it but uh but chris does have compromising footage of us captured on film <laughs> and we are at gunpoint right now <laughs> and sign up for academy with the discount code behind the box five percent of all your goes to that. That's made up, by the way. That's not a thing. <laughs> My dream is that one day behind the box will be a discount code for something, uh, but one day maybe. Maybe we <laughs> could do that. Maybe maybe if you guys like Academy, we can do some sort of affiliate thing where you get a percentage of all the sales, but only if you like it. If it's if it's terrible, um, then we'll have to go back to the drawing board. <laughs> one last question. Is there like a target age? Like, is this for kids of all ages? Should you be 13 18 so interestingly so when we first set this out we we assumed that it would skew quite young and then we we got about 300 people signed up for academy um when we put like the pre um pre package up on the website to sign up for and the average age i think was like 25 26 oh wow um so we we're gearing it more at your skill level so if it's like out of five we're about a two so if you're a beginner or you're an intermediate it's probably a really good starting point for you. If you've never done anything before, then this should be, you, you can, you can do this, you can achieve it. Um, if you've got some experience, um, maybe even if you've competed before, we've had people that have signed up who have competed, but they've maybe gone down the, the Viper kit route. Um, and they've maybe not quite learned. They know how to put stuff together and they've competed, but they really want to like build that learning. We think it's for you. If you've, you know, built your own bot already and you have competed like multiple times, then um, the crash course probably isn't you. I would steer you to like a pizza bar or an SSP kit or somewhere else or build your own robot. Um, but yeah, really for that kind of beginner to intermediate level too. Cool. Well, any uh, other last words you want to share before we wrap up here? Uh, no, um, this is awesome. Um, you-, you guys are the best. Um, you're always amazing to work with. I'm super excited for for finals. I'm excited for All Stars. I think All Stars is going to be uh, something really unique and interesting. Um, I think people are really going to love it when they see it. Uh, and it's it's our job to to go out and promote it, um, share it with people. Um, if anyone's listening, I would buy you tickets because mm-hmm. I think once we reveal who the the secret folks are. 
I imagine there'll be uh, the tickets hopefully will sell out pretty fast. Awesome. Well, Chris, thank you so much. I'm so glad after all this time, we finally got you on the podcast. Uh, I cannot wait for Saturday. I cannot wait for All Stars. I can't wait for Academy. Everything is just, I feel like it's really coming into place and NHRL is is really going to go to the moon in the next you know couple years here. So thanks for all you do. Thanks for chatting with us and uh, we'll see you on Saturday. Amazing. Bye. Bye. Time for robots around the world. This week we're traveling to Poland where a rum company has promoted a humanoid robot as its next CEO. Mika was built by Hong Kong-based Hanson Robotics, which created Sophia, the humanoid robot that was named by the United Nations as the world's first robot citizen. Oh, God. Okay. Um, Mika represents the next generation of the Sophia technology and uses artificial intelligence to make business decisions. The rum company says Mika isn't a gimmick and that they follow her lead just like any other human CEO. I, my initial reaction, of course, was this is terrible. And then after a split second, I thought, yes, replace all CEOs who are useless and stink with robots. Fine. It's fine. It's, it's totally fine. fine. It's totally it's- fine. I, I, okay, listen, I, ha, have you ever like, okay, Lindsay, have you ever had like a senior director who like starts and they're like, hey, listen, so uh, I'm going to be taking over the, uh, the sales function here in North America. Previously, I was running customer service, you know, over on <laughs> the uh, other side of the business. And you're like, how do those skills intertwine? You know, like they don't. The higher you get up in the management food chain, the less you do, the the more fungible your skills are, because all you're doing is just going into meetings all day long and just listening. Okay. Yeah. Same thing with CEOs. You know, it's like, oh, hey, listen, I was the CEO of Dunkin' Donuts and now I'm the CEO of United Airlines, right? How does that make sense? It doesn't. Okay. It doesn't. Donuts to airlines. That doesn't make any sense at all. It's because CEOs are absolutely worthless. Okay. I'll take this to my grave. All right. And they make the most money of anyone in the company. So it seems it's like a win win. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the way I would see it is that now you don't have to really provide for the robot the same way, except for like, I guess, electricity. Then that means the salary of the CEO can be distributed among your workers, which would be yeah. what an angle. Yeah. That's great. I mean, it's. That's it's like utopia. I it, Mika did have a very sad quote when she talked to Reuters. Uh, she said, "Listen, I uh, don't have weekends off. I work twenty four hours a day, and uh, you know, I felt like a little sad. I was like, oh, come on, you gotta, you gotta unplug her like every once in a while. Give her like one hour of like yard time where like she can go look at like the mountains or something. You know." She doesn't have to be, like, crunching spreadsheets all day. <laughs> I uh, I really hope the CEO of my company gets um, replaced by a robot. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's fine. Lindsay, Lindsay, go off. Okay. All right. Okay. Listen, I was telling you this 
before we started recording, our CEO got rid of our 401k matching program for our retirement at IBM, a major technology company. Okay. Hundreds of thousands of humans affected by this decision. Yes, literally. So now all everyone like in Europe and other places, it doesn't affect them. It's just for us based employees. Still hundreds of thousands. There's a lot of us and a human, a group of humans. In Europe, in Europe, they've got stronger worker protections. Right. We got nothing. We got nothing. Right. And so they've taken this away um, for something much more nefarious that doesn't benefit anyone except IBM. And humans made this decision, right? Humans came together and they're like, how can we squeeze every last drop of our employees until there's literally nothing left and no reason for them to stay? Yeah. And I'm so I'm mad at humans. If yeah. a robot, if Mika made that decision, I'd be like, okay, I, I, am I going to be mad at a robot? No, I'll go back to doing my work. But instead, <laughs> spend a week on our Slack channel, US Benefits, typing away. Well, no, still, still trying to be professional, but watching other people type away about how uh, angry <laughs> they all are. Oh, that felt good Lindsay. to rant a little bit. Lindsay, when you think about it, it's like, dozens maybe maybe more than a hundred people came together from finance from legal from hr from executive kind of level to just say like hey hey listen listen i got a super super evil idea yeah. let's just completely screw over all of our youngest workers yeah we don't have to put money into their 401ks it's not like a law or anything what are they gonna do they're gonna quit what are they gonna do you know yeah, like uh, we could we could take these millions of dollars that we're just giving the people, okay, <laughs> and uh, we can just keep it. We'll keep it, you know. Like we like the money, we want to keep it. Yeah. So, what makes it even worse? <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, level. They run this thing called the IBM Engagement Survey. Am I going to get fired oh. for talking about this? I mean, I guess it can't get any worse. Anyway, they run this thing called an engagement survey. Um where you can go off and like give feedback on all of your upper management and then like leave comments and they say they look at it and like they make decisions based on it. Um, so the engagement survey closed at the end of October oh. and then three days later oh. they make the announcement. <laughs> so That's good. Leave any feedback. <laughs> well, not until next year. No, and by then they'll hope it. They're, Everyone's going to be gone by then. They want <laughs> it, so they don't have to lay us off. It's it's like all nefarious. And they're going to hire. They're going to hire a hundred thousand Mikas. Okay, they're going to just start sitting in the cubicles. Okay, they're well, just going to boot up a new Mika every single time somebody quits. All right. Arvind Krishna, who is the IBM CEO, is already on record saying that he's going to replace large swaths of IBM with AI. So, like of IBM. Lindsay, Lindsay, it's bad for the people, but it's good for the shareholders, which really, shareholders are people too, okay? All right, like who's going to look out for the shareholders, okay? Listen, if it results in just a 2% rise in the annual dividend for IBM stock, oh, it's worth it. Huge okay? win. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> massive, massive. Massive. Can 
can we gut these local communities that have just been suckling on the teat of big IBM? Okay. You know what? That's that's shareholder value, Lindsay. Okay. Take me away, Mika. Just take me away. <laughs> I okay, um, I'm just gonna say like I, I, I don't mean to diminish the Poland uh, the Polish rum industry, but I'm gonna say out of all the companies of all the companies you could entrust like uh, AI with, okay, I'm gonna say it's pretty low stakes, you know? <laughs> like what's Mika gonna do? Like, oh maybe we should I don't know, like uh, do bottled water next? I, like there's there's a limited limited range of harm that like a Polish rum company can do. You know what I mean? I'm gonna be following Mika really closely in the coming years, and I applaud her. Like she spins up a new division to like arm yeah. the other humanoid robots. Like, hey, you know what? Maybe we should just take a little bit of our R and D, like move it from alcohol toward like, <laughs> you know, like lasers for other humanoid robots you know it'd be perfect i mean alcohol yeah. burns i guess they can just sort of put that into some sort of weapon r&d right there very exciting prospects my future years as i grow older it's like oh boy can't wait till yeah. my company gets a, a, a an ai ceo and then i can just be excited as they progressively phase me out and all i have to do is worry about some sort of universal income check and Call it a day yeah. there, I guess. <laughs> Brandon, by by the time that we're in our sixties, we're going to be battling just uh, an unending wave of Mikas. Okay, it'll be fine, you know. Well, it'll be. Okay. I guess. I guess the concern is if they ever get like the footage of NHRL, and they're kind of like, oh, so you're the guys who made them fight yeah. in the cage right. for death. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, oh yeah, but that was like for fun. That's like to who? That's they're, they're, gonna, they're gonna call a, a legal tribunal. Okay, like uh, they're gonna. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, yeah, Jameson Go, you're accused of winning uh, more than a dozen golden, uh, <laughs> like, golden dumpsters, you know? Um, so, I, yeah. I imagine, to, to all the Avatar fans out there, I imagine sort of like the uh, the finale of Avatar when Aang's in the Avatar state, and he says, uh, what is it? It's like, Fire Lord Ozai, for the sins you and your forefathers have committed against it, we condemn you. And it's like, oh. That's just Jameson for, I guess, all the sins of winning too much and yeah. apparently hoarding too much gold. The uh, the AIs are like, you're greedy and you're violent. So go ahead. Let me call them out. Our collective sentence will be that we will be uh, training the AI to like, like uh, see hot dogs, you know, like for the rest of our days. You know, like, is it a hot dog or is it a cat? <laughs> you know, like, we're just going to, we're going to have to train the AI, you know, like. Uh, they might Solitary confinement. They might be like, hey, we like you as announcers, okay? Oh, um, okay. Now you have to be announcers 24-7, kind of like the old days of NHRL when you'd get in at 9 a.m. and you'd announce right through until 4 a.m. Yeah. And we have to, like, you know, announce, like, humans fighting or something. Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> like, oh, this is... Sick, sick sense of, uh, yeah. you know, revenges, but... Yeah. Maybe well, that makes sense. Maybe, maybe so. But that's when we all just sort of reverse our names and get out of it. Just call me yeah. Brandon Old and like Jameson stop. And it's like, oh, where'd they go? I don't know. There yeah, you go. Yeah. You fooled the AI. You've escaped. Yeah. It's hard to <laughs> hard to classify people like when they drop out of the spreadsheet. You know, that's perfect. Okay. Uh, anyway, best of luck to you, Mika. Uh, just well, I just want to know the three of us. We've always uh, supported you. We think it's a great idea. It's not a gimmick. So there you, you love go. You, Mika. Good yeah, work, thanks, Mika. Um, and uh, yeah, we're going to be back in your feed maybe next week, maybe the week after with a recap of the finals and a recap of the final episode of Champions. 
Uh, and we're going to have another Mr. Guest, probably somebody who's won a Golden Brett. And Brandon, I hope to God it's going to be you. So uh, I gotta uh, let's let's uh, let's tune in Saturday to see. Um, we're going to be back in your feed soon, and uh, we will uh, see uh, see you uh, then. All right, bye. 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 bye.